Attention architects and creative minds, get ready to supercharge your brand with Build Your Brand, the podcast that's unlocking the secrets of branding success for creatives. Hey there, it's Mark Arlapage, founder of Entree Architect, and I'm inviting you to join my friend, architect marketing expert, Jeff Eccles at Build Your Brand Podcast, where he explores the captivating stories of the world's top brands and transforms their lessons into powerful moves for small firm architects and creatives like you. In season one, Jeff shares the thrilling tale of Southwest Airlines, where he dissects their journey to the summit and distills it into strategies tailor-made for you. It's important to keep in mind that companies like Southwest compete in the real world, just like you, and face real-world challenges, just like you. You might be surprised at how similar those challenges are to the struggles that you grapple with on a day-to-day basis. Don't miss out on your blueprint for success. Subscribe, tune in, and let's build your brand together. You may have noticed that the very best brands in the world are also known for having somewhat unique corporate cultures. That's often the glue that holds everything together when they encounter those rough spots. We don't do it because it inconveniences the passengers to whom we are primarily dedicated, the short haul, uh, frequent flyer. Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Build Your Brand today. Remember, no matter the size, the journey's the same. Your brand's journey to the top starts here. Context and Clarity has been called a community-based pro-practice masterclass for architects. It's awfully high praise, but since we began this journey back in April of 2020, we've certainly grown into a community of small firm architects, all focused on what matters most to their success. And by the way, it doesn't matter if you're the employee of a firm that's dreaming of going out on your own, or you've owned your own firm for 26 years. There's something here for everyone. And that's where you come in. Thanks for listening and welcome to the Context and Clarity Podcast. Every week, we have a conversation with an expert or a thought leader on things that matter most to the success of architects just like you. Then we go backstage with someone from our community and we talk about what we learned, what our biggest takeaways were, and how we're going to apply what we heard to our own businesses. In this episode, we talked with Tiffany Brown. Tiffany is the executive director of NOMA, which, if you aren't familiar, is the National Organization of Minority Architects. And she's also the founder of 400 Forward. You'll hear more about that in this episode. There's a lot of serendipity that led up to this conversation because Tiffany and I met in Chicago a few weeks ago at A22, the AIA National Conference on Architecture. We were introduced by Pascal Sablon who you'll remember is a past Context and Clarity live guest. Now, our plan for this week was to talk with Lakeisha Woods, the new CEO of the American Institute of Architects. It would be our first Context and Clarity live after the conference, so that seemed to all fit together really well. But that was canceled at the last minute, so I reached out to Tiffany, and she actually rearranged her schedule in order to be able to join us today. So first of all, a big thank you to Tiffany Brown for going to such lengths to join us for this conversation. This is another one of those conversations that 
I know that we need to have more of. And I appreciate that the Context and Clarity community has built a safe place where we can have these conversations and we can learn from each other and we can work to understand the experiences and the perspectives of people who are different from us. In our conversation, Tiffany shared why inclusion and diversity of experiences and backgrounds are important to have around the table. And she challenged us to move the profession forward. It was a great conversation. Let me know what you think about it. Catherine McPhail joined me once again for the conversation with Tiffany Brown, as well as backstage afterward. Catherine is my co-host, and she's an architect and a podcaster now in Fairhaven, Massachusetts. In addition to Context and Clarity, Catherine hosts Talking Home Renovations with the House Maven, and she's the CEO of Demios Architects. As always, I'm looking forward to talking about our takeaways from the conversation. So let's go backstage and listen in as Catherine and I talk about our conversation with Tiffany Brown, Executive Director of NOMA and founder of 400 Forward. I enjoyed talking with Tiffany and learning about her journey and also, you know, getting her insights on what we can do to change the narrative, to change the conversation and to support organizations like 400. Yeah, it was, uh, it's, it was inspiring to talk to her. I love that she said that she can't save the world, but can't help but want to. So that was nice. That was a nice quote from the show. That was a great quote. I like that. And um, yeah, she said she was born to make change. That was another one I wrote down. That's yeah. a good, it's a good, uh, good place to come from. Yeah. I, you know, as, as I sat back and listened to her talk, I mean, I, I think that maybe a couple of words came to mind. Tenacity was certainly, um, you know, that idea of being born to make change. She's, she certainly is a change maker. I, I, I have... I have contemplated what it would be like. You know, I'm, I'm trying to I'm trying to get it in a, uh, a context or a perspective that I can understand. But for someone to say, "Hey, I want to do this," and, and as it as it goes with her story, I guess this isn't really true to her story. But but hey, I want to do this, but I I've never seen or heard of anybody like me that's ever done that. And, you know, as I think about that, you know, whatever that fill in the blank is, I want to be an architect or I want to be a, an astronaut or I want to be a whatever. It doesn't matter what the fill in the blank is. But I, I think it's easy for some of us to go, you know, there's an example of someone from my hometown, of someone that looks like me, of someone in my family, you know, whatever the context is that does this. Oh, I can, I can do that. I saw so-and-so that does that. But for somebody like Tiffany, and there are certainly many others, to go, yeah, I think I want to be an architect. Never seen or met an architect. Um, certainly, you know, being a black woman, she had never seen or, or met a a black architect or a black woman architect. Um, I, I, I think that that's got to be against incredible odds, I would think. Yeah. Well, she said that it was a noble thing to become an architect and that they seemed, but they seemed unapproachable and um, kind of unreachable. And that she was saying that she, and part of her mission, it seems like, is that she's trying to make it seem 
more reachable, like something you can actually do. So I think she's doing a great job. I think AIA and along with the other alliances control what architecture is and looks like and who is able to, to become licensed and who is able to graduate one of these, these accredited schools of architecture. Uh, I think there are a lot of systems in place that were designed to filter out and exclude. And um, I think AIA uh, and NCARB um, specifically are doing the work to try to look inward and see what biases are there, look inward and see what they can change, look inward to see as industry leaders what they can do to show um, other organizations and other in industries and the firms and the schools um, what to do because a lot of people follow their lead. It's not going to be an immediate change, but it's going to be um, some some um, very focused and intentional actions and solutions. And that's what I would like to see both AIA and Carbon, everyone else who leads this industry doing that. We can't continue to be a Petri dish for surveys and, and pulling data and then nothing else comes out of that except a report. What are, what are the solutions? What are the action items that are going to happen from this? And um, one of those major things is access at a collegiate level, at firm culture, uh, the licensure process, the accreditation process, because a lot of us are going to community colleges that um, don't really allow us to become licensed online you know so it's it just takes the effort of all of all of us um and not for us to be working in these silos that everyone's used to being in at that and she hadn't even met um had never met a black architect before she was in college she said so and i i wrote my um my admission essay to SciArc about that about how i thought architects like i didn't think you could just become an architect somehow it was like just deciding to become a rock star or something like you I, that was just the impression i had which isn't true of course because there are steps you can take and then you eventually become one after many steps um but yeah i so i kind of i related to that in that she was it didn't wasn't something that seemed possible for me either when i was a kid but that could have been because it was a different time why do you think it didn't seem possible? I think I didn't see any women architects. I don't even so know when a, I first it, met a woman. It's architect. a similar story. Yeah, it's similar. Yeah, it was just that it was the seventies, and and you know, girls didn't say they wanted to grow up to be architects back then. That I knew, I didn't know anybody who wanted to do that. So, so yeah, and then suddenly one day, when I was like in my twenties, I realized I could I could become an architect if I wanted to. So, so yeah, I. It's important to have the representation. Yeah, of I mean, all see, different types of people. From obviously my very different perspective, I had never met an architect before, but there's all these examples of architects out there, right? Frank mm -hmm. Lloyd Wright was a big influence because we lived near Oak Park, and you know, countless Wright tours and and so on and so forth, and you know, Mike Brady as a <laughs> kind of a humorous Brady. example and. You know, He's got to be one and, of the most famous architects that kills me to oh, Mike Brady. So everybody knows him. <laughs> exactly. It, that's that's always kind of a uh, a fun poll is, you know, what influenced you or how did you first start thinking about becoming an architect and the number of people from our generation, I suppose, mm -hmm. that, yeah. that, that say Mike Brady. But 
<laughs> but again, that's an example that I can look at and go, oh, why couldn't I be an architect? Mike Brady's an architect. Right, exactly. TV. Yeah. But for pretty much anybody that doesn't look like me, it's a different story. Um, and, and I think that's one of the things that's super powerful about 400 Forward that, uh, that Tiffany founded. And for, as you're listening to this, if you haven't yet watched our live conversation with Tiffany, just to give you a little bit of background, um, as, as Tiffany was getting into the profession, the 400th black woman architect achieved licensure. That sounds kind of confusing as it came out of my mouth, but the, a black woman achieved licensure. She was the 400th of all time, not in a year, not in a decade, but in of all time of the history of architects in the United States, the 400th of all time. Tiffany saw that and went, oh my gosh, only 400. What can I do to support the next 400? And that's the 400 forward. That's where that comes from. So she's working with with um, girls, young ladies, and encouraging them and supporting them and, and um, helping the next 400 black women architects achieve licensure. So that's, um, that's a little bit, uh, a pretty rough version of, of the uh, background. Mm. Yeah. I, <clears throat> I was kind of struck by what she talked about, um, when they were going around, what she said, talking about being referred to as disadvantaged youth, which made her feel like she had a limit to what she could achieve. And then later on when someone said, um, well, she said that they were made to feel, or someone said that they, including minorities is lowering the bar for architects or something to that effect. And then, you know, then <clears throat> Sean said, that's the most racist comment that you can have basically. And so there are a, just a lot of obstacles and just stuff like that, that she has to, you know, endure. It kind of reminded me of that story about Ruth Bader Ginsburg, who was trying, they told her in law school that she was taking the place of a man and not, that wasn't the place for her. And she was keeping someone else from being able to support their family and everything. I mean, it's like, yeah, just the, just the things that, Tiffany has to deal with that I haven't had to deal with. It's just like, just piles it all on. Yeah. Bo both of those comments, well, the, the first one, more than the second one, the, the um, disadvantaged youth, that, that comment really struck me. Uh, and both comments made me mad, honestly. Mm -hmm. um, the, the first one, the disadvantaged youth, it made me mad because we say that all the time. Mm -hmm. We say that all the time, you know, in the area where I live, um, you know, that's, that's what we say about the youth around here. Um, and, and when she said it, when she said it out loud and when she talked about it, uh, it really struck me, you know, and we, we kind of wrapped up our conversation talking about storytelling. It, it really struck me that we need, we need to change that narrative if that's the right way to say it, because that is, that is planting a seed. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're saying that to a kid and calling them, you know, a disadvantaged youth, what is that saying to them? And that, that's, that's horrific. And, and I'm sorry to have said that and, and thought that way. We've, we've just got to figure out a, a different way to, uh, um, to approach that reality. And then the second comment was actually from the NCARB annual meeting. Oh yeah, I'd forgotten the, that. Uh, yeah, the the uh, someone stood up at the mic and accused 
some of, of trying to lower the bar. And that one really makes me mad because yeah, that's that is, outrageous. that's not at all what, what people are asking for, right? When we're talking about inclusion, when we're talking about accessibility, when we're talking about equitable, an equitable process and an equitable practice, we're not talking about lowering the bar at all. Nope. Nope. No, we're not. You know, as she described her, her own experience, if Tif as Tiffany described her own experience, you know, she didn't have advanced math in her school. She didn't have drafting classes and all those things in school, in, in her high school, that a lot of her classmates, when she got to Lawrence Tech, they had. And um, so she's automatically less prepared for the college experience. She's less prepared for the architecture school experience than many of her classmates. And, you know, the idea that asking that there be an inclusive and equitable pathway to the profession, it, it, the idea that that's somehow lowering the bar is, is frankly, it's offensive. Yeah, but it, it, it comes, I, and I have no idea. I have no idea who it was that said it. If you're listening to this now and you're the one that said it, please reach out. I'd love to have a conversation. But my guess is that the person that said it is a person that had all the advantages mm -hmm. of going to a good high school, quote unquote, mm -hmm. good high school that mm -hmm. had the advanced math, that had the drafting classes, the art classes, the whatever that prepared them for the architecture school experience in a way that some others like Tiffany were not prepared, that weren't looked at differently, that never had a professor tell them you shouldn't be here, that never had a professor say that you don't belong in the profession, that Probably was never held back, absolutely, mm -hmm. that was never held back in a firm because they didn't connect socially or they didn't look like somebody else or they didn't, they had a name that was harder to pronounce was not, you know, in the norm of, of someone else's vocabulary, you know, getting rid of some of those things and some of those attitudes and some of those biases, that's not lowering the bar. No, it's not. But, you know, one thing I loved about what she said was the solution to that whole situation was that we need to get to know each other better, basically through storytelling from the point of view of the people who are, um, who feel excluded. You know, so I think that does lead to understanding of uh, just hearing about somebody else's experience. Sometimes it may be that um, one person doesn't even consider what the other person's experience might might be. It just doesn't. Yeah. And then once you get to know somebody and hear their story and you think, whoa, I didn't think about it that way. So like you were saying, um, storytelling is an important just part of our, uh, maybe our community and our interactions with each other. Yeah, well, I, I think. I, I think that's a, a really great point. I think, you know, um, we talked about this a little bit on Clubhouse this morning. Um, and I guess even before we hit record with Tiffany earlier or broadcast, uh, go live is what the button actually says. <laughs> but, but one of the things that we've always tried to do with context and clarity is create a safe place where we can have conversation without judgment and, you know, all of those things. And I think that's really important so that we can have these sorts of conversations. Um, 
and you know, you, you and I had a, a um, it was a text conversation, a back and forth today, and you you kind of called me out on a comment that I made earlier, and I think that's fine, right? In fact, I think that's that's important and that's necessary, but we need to have that that safe place to have those conversations, so that you know, one one of the questions was, is it okay? for let's just say a, a white architect to support noma mm -hmm. right that may seem like a a pretty um superfluous question on some level it may seem like a strange question but i think that's an important question and i think having the ability to ask it without opening yourself up to ridicule or or offense or anything like that i think that's really important because I've got a lot to learn from Tiffany Brown. Mm -hmm, me too. And we all do, right? Conversations like this is also what's going to help Jeff. Just, uh, I think the storytelling element of things, um, I'm a really huge advocate for that. Uh, making sure that like that, that element is there to really just bring us back to conversations and, um, the more people who can hear my story and just kind of hear of things from my point of view, it is going to help with uh, the way that we approach our projects. Storytelling and, and learning more about um, experiences of those who have been excluded or feel excluded uh, is how we will make the change. Conversations like this. You know, going back to your point, the idea of understanding each other better, I, I completely agree. That is the that is the only way forward. You know, one of the things that I, I said in, in our text exchange was that I think I think it's next level arrogance for someone to say, Hey, I have never experienced what you've experienced. I have no idea what your experience is like. I don't know where you come from, you know, in, in an experience point of view, I've not felt that, um, I've not dealt with any of these things, but I know what's best for you. And unfortunately we see this day in and day out. And, th and this isn't, this isn't a, uh, it's not specific to architecture. No, it's not specific to architecture. It's, we see this in architecture. We see it in politics. We see it, uh, all over the place. And I think that's what we need to to keep in mind, right? The idea that I'm going to go in as again, you know, I'll, I'll use this. Um, I'll go back to my my fallback. I'm the middle aged white guy in the room. The idea that I'm going to go into, um, you know, a certain type of project that I have no idea what these people need, what they've been through, um, what their experience, their day to day is like. Obviously, we can't have all the experiences. I mean, we have to learn, right? We, we go through the programming. We go through schematic design and feasibility, and we, we have to learn. But for someone to go in and say, hey, this is what you need to do without having any background to back that up, I, it, I think that's the, the ultimate danger of the profession. Yeah, she was saying, too, in the beginning that the people who came in, I think she even said with their capes on, kind of 
as if they needed to be saved, you know, saving them as if they needed to be saved was, was off putting to say the least probably. And she felt that she was capable of having a voice at the table, but wasn't given the impression that she'd be welcome to have a voice at the table in that context. So. Yeah. She, she didn't use the term, but the, the white savior complex. Right. Which is why I wanted to know, I mean, Man- Mandy brought it up, but why I wanted to know too, if, is it a good thing? I, I almost joined Noma today, but I wanted to hear from her whether that would be a good thing. Cause I don't want yeah, to be yeah, just yeah. like sweeping in and making things better for people. At the same time, I want to support um, groups like that in a way that they want to be supported. So that's why I wanted to ask. Yeah. And, and I, to me, and I think Tiffany backed this up. I think that's the right attitude, right? Hey, is it, is this okay? You know, do you, do you want me here? Do you want my help? So I, I get that I'm completely comfortable in, in this environment doing these things and not everybody is, but to the extent that you can, to the extent that you're comfortable with it, I encourage everybody to tell your stories because there are plenty of people out there that have not heard certainly your story or stories like yours and can never, you know, if you're listening to this right now, you hear a difference between my voice and, and Catherine's voice or two different people. Um, I can, I can never share Catherine's experience. It's not possible. It's, it's physically, not possible for me to share her experience. And so the only way I can get to know and understand Catherine or anybody else for that matter better is through these exchanges, you know, sometimes it's storytelling and others. So that, and that's one of the reasons I really appreciate Tiffany and, and what she's doing is she's telling her story and, and um, t- turning her story into action maybe through, through 400 forward, which is super impressive to me. It's just, you know, Hey, here's what it was like when I was growing up. How can I change that? Um, it's, it's pretty much that direct. So that, that, that really, that really is heartwarming. It's impressive. It's inspiring. Um, got a lot out of what she's doing. Maybe that's why we do this because more people can hear her story and Mm -hmm. it broadens my view of the world to talk to Tiffany and people, all the people we interview, see where they're coming from. Yeah. Well, I, I think that's, I think that's what first hooked me on podcasts. Mm-hmm. I've been listening to podcasts for years and years now. And, and I think that was probably it. I, I, I love to hear people's stories. Me too. The moth was one of my, one of my first ones that oh, I listened yeah. to just these stories about people's lives. Some of them are very harrowing and they just have totally different experiences than I do. And then some of them are just very mundane things. You know, one of the, one of the things that Tiffany said was it just takes one. And if you're the storyteller, whether it's a story about perfume or it's a story about something horrific, or it's a story about your background and upbringing, you know, in uh, public housing in Detroit or whatever it is, Somebody needs to hear that, and and somebody is going to take something from that. Yeah, this is especially important if um, there are only four hundred Black women architects. I mean, that has to be uh, that has to just Black women who are architects need to get out there and be visible, you know, so that young girls can see them. So I think that's you know that's really important. Yeah. The, the Michelle Obama quote is you can't be what you can't see. 
And, and I guess that goes back to what I was saying before is I'll, I want to be blank. The numbers are shocking. Mm-hmm. You know, 400 is shocking. 500 or, or six, six something now is, is shocking. Um, the, to, to, to kind of reframe it, and this is not black women architects, this is black architects, mm-hmm. 2% of architects in the United States are black. Two percent, and it doesn't it doesn't represent. And this is one of the the things that Tiffany alluded to was it it doesn't rep yeah it doesn't represent society right it doesn't match society in the United States. So I think to to me that that brings up a you know how how can you yeah what, how can the profession possibly serve society when it doesn't reflect society. Yeah, that, that's that's one of my fundamental questions. Mm. I don't know about you, but I'll I will continue to think about what Tiffany said, and and especially the part where she, where she talked about storytelling and conversations understand each other better. Um, to me, I feel like, and 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 I'm including myself in this. Um, I feel like there's a resistance sometimes to trying to understand other people, you know, in our societal and, and, uh, political environment that um, I find myself shutting down sometimes and not even wanting to try to understand sometimes. And, and, um, so Tiffany's, Tiffany's words, uh, Tiffany's advice and, and, uh, insights on that struck me. I'm going to uh, do my best to try to understand where other people are coming from and, and their experiences and, and how it affects where we can go together. So that's, I guess that's my big takeaway and, and application yeah. so, for this conversation. So and you know what, this is going to be, um, I guess no one's going to be surprised that I'm going to say this, but you know what a good place for hearing people's stories like that? Where? TikTok. <laughs> that's, you right? know, I, I laugh. Um, you, you and I are on uh, very similar wavelengths when it comes to TikTok. I love TikTok. Mm-hmm. And I agree with that. I just think in the spirit of storytelling, that's why I brought that up. Well, what did you think? Did you hear something in there that you can use in your practice today? If you were so inspired by this conversation that you'd like to watch the entire Context and Clarity Live episode, head on over to the Entree Architect YouTube channel. There's a playlist there that has all of the full Context and Clarity Live episodes. And... If you want more of the Context and Clarity podcast delivered to you every week, give us a thumbs up and subscribe wherever you consume podcasts. If you like content like this, check out Gable Media. It's a multimedia network for people that care about the built environment, and it's the home of Context and Clarity. With Gable's growing family of podcasts and video channels, I know you'll find something there that interests you. You can learn more at gablemedia.com. That's G-A-B-L media.com. And one last thing before you go. If the topic of today's episode is of particular interest to you, join me over on Facebook today at 4 p.m. Eastern inside the Entree Architect Community Facebook group. That's where every weekday at 4 p.m. Eastern, I host Context and Clarity Conversations, and we take topics like this, and we dig deeper. We have a conversation in real time to try to find more clarity around the things that matter most to you. So thanks for listening. 
I hope our time together has inspired you to think about your community and your practice and how you can support those around you. We'll be back here again next week. And in the meantime, I hope you'll join me and the Entree Architect community on Facebook today at 4 p.m. Eastern so that we can help each other find more clarity around the topics that matter most, no matter what your context is. I've mentioned it to my family, but in terms of telling people like, oh yeah, we're doing this, I'm looking for projects. You got anything? I'm not there yet because it scares the out of me. Dreaming of launching your own architecture firm? Well, Well, buckle up for a wild ride with Emerging, the podcast that shares what it's really like to start an architecture firm. Where do we begin? We don't even know what type of business to formalize as. Is it an LLC? Is it an LLP? Like how are taxes? I mean, the list is astronomical. Season one featured founders Jeffrey, Lexi, and Chris, owners of Level Studio Architecture, are your fearless guides on this unfiltered journey from napkin sketches to a thriving studio. One evening, stumbled into one last dive, we sat at the bar and pondered our postgraduate futures. Amidst the conversation, a napkin became the canvas for our aspirations, sketching plans and milestones, sealing our heartfelt commitment and shared dreams. In drawing down dreams on a napkin collectively, that (laughs) then, you know, in your head, you've rooted like, oh, I'm connected to these people, like long term. The process of starting an architecture practice brims with excitement and challenges, demanding meticulous planning, flawless execution, and unyielding resilience. I kind of hate the term because it's so overly used, but I think everybody knows imposter syndrome. And I think it's it's so real to this day. I, I, I don't know if it's with everybody, but with me, I'm always questioning like us. Can we do this? Are we ready to do this? Are we prepared? Can we do it? Did we just decide a name? <laughs> we did it, guys. Oh my the one that God. came out of nowhere. Woo! It came out of nowhere. I liked it. I saw it. Ready to turn your aspirations into reality? Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Emerging and chart your own path to architectural success.